on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself and launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Silvani! What about that? Mackay, Mackay! Two in a minute. And they are dancing now, the Blues. Almost Mackay. Walsh, here he is. Straightens up and has delivered. Is there nothing this young man can't do? Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and this week I'm joined by a man who is just about, you know, very quickly becoming an honorary co-host um, of this podcast. It is, of course, one of my favourite Carlton AFL content creators out there. It is Mr. Pommy in Oz himself. Thanks for joining me, Dan. Absolute pleasure to be here. Um, your partner in crime's in my neck of the woods, isn't he? So it's he ironic is. that I'm replacing <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah, I had to sort of switch someone. Someone you know, doing a bit of a trade-off. He's going over there. I'm bringing you in. And, look, I've sort of stitched you up a little bit as well because, look, I could have brought you in for the big Frio win, but that was too easy. And you said midweek that you were a specialist in a loss. So, oh, look, I'll definitely be needing you with that one today. Uh, I've made a career <laughs> on analysing counter defeats. Uh, might as well bring me in for this one and let someone else have the fun. Oh, exactly. But no, thanks for joining me. And look, I think let's get jump straight into this. It's kind of becoming a trend in our wins and our losses that everything is just at the source. And however the midfield goes, almost seemingly feels whichever way that goes, whether it's good or bad, it has a big effect on our our performance. And we obviously got beaten again in that midfield, got killed on the spread by St. Kilda. Have you kind of noticed anything in the midfield that either is or isn't working that's maybe allowing these teams to get on top of us? Because I thought Richmond did it really well when they defeated us and and a couple of our losses it's happened the same way. happens here again. Anything that you're kind of seeing? Well, I think one of the big ones against Richmond and this one was Walsh's massive increase on the ball. So... Mm. Last week, I thought Walsh literally dictated the play against Fremantle. Yeah. And he does that wonderful move. He starts outside the square in the wing position for most center bounces and particularly around stoppages. And then he switches behind the mm. ball and takes that handball off Hewitt. This week, for some reason, Voss gave him again close to 70% time. If you take the stoppages into account, it was almost 80%, 80% game time was mm. around the ball. And... Ken Conn's made an article today about freeing him up. I think it's spot on. I don't think Sam Walsh is a pure grunt inside midfielder. I think that's what Mm. Kennedy, Hewitt are there for. And I do think we missed that because the overuse of the handball this week got them into trouble. And you've only got to watch the first centre bounce. I think that taught you everything you need to know about the game. If you just want to watch 10 seconds, Mm. watch that. We get the hands to the ball. It goes backwards, then it goes forwards, then it goes backwards again, then it goes to the side, all to players that are marked. Before you know it, count and fumble it, turn it over. Inside 50 comes, goal straight away. Mm. It's It was the case in point, and Carlton couldn't find that spread. And that's something Walshie does very well. And Jade Gresham did it splendidly for St. Kilda. It's a, it's such a weird one because it feels like when like the best way to play against Carlton is bring that heat, bring that pressure because we like to handball ourselves out of trouble, which works when you when the handballs are perfect and everything is in motion. 
but it's probably the biggest downfall when you come against that that big pressure because if you're off by the tiniest of margins with those handballs, you're making a mistake. And then the next handball has to be perfect and it just adds more pressure and it just creates those turnovers. Do you think that there's an aspect in that of our over handballing that we need to kind of adjust a little bit when the pressure is coming? Because it seemed like that obviously in the wet against Richmond and it felt like that even in the dry this week where in, in some of these contests, you just go and just kick the ball out and gain that territory. Instead, we're sort of overusing the football. I think there's an element of that. I think with Carlton, when, like like this week, Chera coming in, averaging 50% yeah. on the ball, 0% this week. You look at the stats as well, 62% of centre clearances, we got there first, 54 on stoppages. That's insane. Yeah, and wow. you didn't massively win, mm. you didn't massively win them areas. I think what happens is, is when you don't have a Chera or a Walsh, looking to dictate the play, you see Sard and Doc invariably mm. join the midfield yeah. as soon as we win it. When we're not looking for that run and carry, it has to be kicked. But I mm. think when the pressure comes, you, there's no one really other than Walsh and Chera who are happy saying, right, I'm going to stay in the pocket, a bit like Tom Brady in, in American football. They stay in that pocket mm. TDK this week didn't block very well, which he did yeah. do against Freo, and give him that space so he can ping that pass to Lockie O'Brien, get that handball to Saad. I think the game plan Voss has got is nailed on. The problem yeah. is, is the application at times. Mm. I think sometimes Hewitt, if you had to pick the worst handball inside, Chera Kennedy and Hewitt would be close to it because it doesn't work when that handball goes between them. It needs yep. to go to a user, and that's where we come unstuck. If Walsh isn't free, Chera wasn't used, that falls apart, and it's mm. so easy to defend against. Yeah, and obviously St Kilda just killed us on the spread, and their pace at times seemed like it was almost a little bit too much for us. Do you think that maybe the midfield mix, they didn't get it right this week, and at times... They haven't because you look at some of the midfielders that are in there and obviously they're, they're great when it works, your Cripps, your Hewitts, um, your Kennedys as well. And, and you mentioned like getting Walsh in there to sort of pinch hit a little bit on that outside run. Obviously, we didn't see Chera there. I thought it was interesting this week that Fisher had probably his best game he's ever had for us. Pinch hitting in the middle. I think he had like 10 or 11 center bounce attendances last week. I think he had about three or something this week. Complete drop-off there. I feel like we almost need that injection of pace, like you're saying, where they can handle out to someone who likes to burst away. Do you think that they just got the midfield mix wrong and that didn't allow us to spread the way St Kilda did? Historically, Carlton, when they play Chera and Walsh from that wide position and they intercept behind Hewitt, it works best. And then mm. Fisher last week, like you say, it was... Fisher, incidentally, when we've been a midfield down, has averaged 40% on the ball. Very weirdly this week that mm. he went down to 11 and Chera zero, and he upped Cripper. Mm. We saw a massive increase in Hewitt. We saw a massive increase in Walsh as well. It's weird they went that way when against Sydney and against Frio, where you'd arguably say our centre bounces mm. were at their premium, it was a different model, and I can't answer why that is. Yeah. I don't look at St. Kilda and think, shit, they're a good contested side. Mm. I look at them and know that what they did this week is their blueprint to winning football matches when they play well. 
So yeah. a weird thing. Only Vossi can answer that, but the proof is in that 32 marks uncontested. The midfield didn't work hard enough. Um, yeah. 16 in the last quarter when the game was on the line, plus 16 to them is is Jeez. catastrophic. And mm. Voss says it's a team defence, team offence. That is the midfield's fault. They didn't work hard in transition. Mm. They didn't work hard defensively. And ultimately, way too easy for St. Kilda. Yeah, I think you nail it with the with the stats there to to sort of back up what everyone was seeing with their eyes. Because for us trying to be that number one disposal team, Saints had thirty four more disposals, forty three more uncontested possessions. Which, like you say, that's just work rate and getting killed on the spread, not covering the ground well enough. And thirty two more uncontested marks is just disgusting, really, for a team like us that want to control the ball. We're the team that gets those uncontested marks that just have the ball in hand and. We just didn't sort it out. And I guess, um, are there any other players or anything else you'd like to see the midfield do to sort of fix these little deficiencies? Because we've we've seen it work really well and clearly we're on the right path and things can be adjusted. Um, is it just like you kind of mentioned, using Chera? Because it seemed very odd that, yeah, we, we bring him in and then he plays this weird wing, half-back, half-forward role. Sort of baffling. I think the biggest thing, if I was Voss, would be all the losses this year have gone through a same pattern. Every time we've... The perfect example is the Cottrell goal. When Cowton get the ball, they look for the inside runner. There is options aplenty when that midfield joins. And when Cottrell kicked that goal, Cripper had about six options by hand and foot when he took the overlap from Mackay, taking the defensive mark. Mm. It was insane. And I yeah. don't, I genuinely believe in my heart of hearts when Cowton play that way, there isn't a team in the comp that can stop them. It's mm. it's Richmond 2017, that good. But it's having the confidence to do it. And every loss this year, we have seen Cowton make an absolute pig's ear two or three times to concede goals. And suddenly that stops. Mm. And is that feel is that fear? What is that? And I do think mm. Walsh is a primary driver, and so is Chera, when it does get hard, of saying, nah, guys, Fisher did it last week. When it got a bit hard, he was like, nah, we're not slowing down. Yeah, We're, we're taking the game back. And that is something that I think Voss has to address because in finals, you ain't going to get West Coast mm. away next week. Yeah, You're going to get a holiday in Bali. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good point, and it's... It's tough because when we're able to move the ball fast and on our tempo, we're electric. But as soon as teams find a way to sort of slow us down, like you say, it's it's that long down the line. It's not looking for those smart options. And if it starts to concede or like we did a lot in this game, just poor turnovers in poor places of the ground where you turn it over, it's just going to get rebounded, particularly with a team like St. Kilda that love to move the ball fast like they do. It, it just kills you and sometimes... It's felt like in our losses, as soon as we do that, as soon as we make a few of those mistakes, we're not just going, okay, we, we attempted the right thing, but it didn't come off. Let's keep going. We just stopped doing it. And, and that's just not going to win you games of football. And I guess onto that, what did you kind of make of the selection? Because we've touched on Chera a little bit. He looked pretty underdone, which is somewhat understandable for being out for a few weeks, but sort of struggled to, to move a little bit. And then we weren't playing him in his role playing him on the wing, half forward, down back. 
And then, you know, you obviously have Boyd that comes out of the team. We just decided to shift Nunes down to the defense. And then you sort of change your wings, which was probably the most influential part of our game against Frio. What do you make of the, the team selection this week? And did you think that that hampered us? Or is it just a result of everything else not working in the game? I think on paper it was... I, I didn't mind it. I, I, I thought Chera coming in logically with the midfield dominance last week... I was thinking Fisher and I thought he nailed it because I thought that I don't think St. Kilda are very strong when it gets tough. They do mm. look to spread it. The last four weeks, they've been one of the worst ranked sides, but their template has been the same. It just hasn't come off. So I thought, you know what? We've brought a little bit of run and carry there. Yeah, We're going to take the game to them. And that's really what Carlton need to, our fans need to get their head into that top teams beat shit sides yeah. like we've always lost because you dictate your style on them and force them to defend. In reality, though, it, it was the opposite. What if mm. For me, Chera wasn't fit. I, yeah, I refuse I to believe. Like, Vossi can say it all he wants. Vossi's lying. There's no yeah. way Chera was fit because he, he looked appalling. The fact that even when he got the ball, he looked like he was nursing mm. his side from runners who were about to bump into him. I, I, I don't quite buy it. And if that's the yeah. case, I asked the question, why didn't you play Stocker? Or mm. if you were playing a player to play across all them lines, play Hayes. Yeah, well, it's it's such a weird one because you obviously you see the strapping and that never helps the outcome because by the eye, you're always going to think, okay, well, he looks a bit injured because he's got that. But then when you see him move and cover the ground, it's nothing like the cherry we've seen before. He had to have been carrying a, a bit of an injury. And, like, I'm all for someone carrying it if they think that they can get through. But then to not trust him in the role that we've seen him this year kind of really speaks to me and says that they didn't trust his body in the heat of the battle and they were trying to nurse him around and hope that just a – a, say a 70% fit chair on the outside is good enough to win games of football. And I just think this season, knowing anyone can really beat anyone on their day, you just can't really do that at the moment. And I agree with you about sort of St. Kilda's game. I, I was pretty confident going into this because I've seen enough St. Kilda that I know if you bring the heat and you really win that contested ball first, they will absolutely melt away. They're just not super, super strong as a side, I think, mentally. But, I mean, I guess neither are we just yet. Um, but if you allow them enough in the game, they were going to kill you on the spread. And we sort of played into their hands and didn't apply that pressure early. And I guess another thing I want to talk about, because it's weirdly become a, a maybe a bit of a trend. I'd love to get your thoughts on what you're thinking, because we start to have a bit of these slow, slow starts now, because... We conceded the first six goals against Richmond, the first three against Frio, first three now against St. Kilda. Is that cause for concern at all, or are they all just sort of outliers that happen to be sort of the last three weeks? It's a weird thing because we start off, I don't know if she's watching this, but Tilly was my first um, real native sexual experience, if you want. And I, I think we start off like I was with her, very fumbly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that all over the place. Let's be honest. And you saw it that first centre bounce. There was three easy options to get rid of it. Mm. We won the ball. TDK won the top. And it's like Kennedy gets the ball ahead of the pack. Yeah. And he, he took three attempts to pick it up. And then he handballs it to Cripps, who's already been nailed by Steele. And that happened against Frio even. The first couple of centre bounces, 
Cal, mm. and we're like, oh, my God, what do I do with it? And it's a weird thing. I don't know if it's pressure. I don't know if it's mental application. It does seem a weird thing, though, because after Frio beating the midfield that all the pundits were saying is potentially the best one in the comp, how are you scared of Jade Gresham? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm someone that doesn't rate their midfield, so it hurts me to see how poorly we did against them. And we sort of also let just their halfbacks run all over us, which was a trend back with Teague. I don't want to keep mentioning the man, but it was always a it was always a trend that was like the thing you could maybe stop the easiest was like, okay, they want to get the ball into their runners. Let's don't let them be by themselves the whole time. And sort of Sinclair and Hill killed us early with that, with Sinclair having 37 disposals, Hill 27, and they were really damaging with them as well, really generating that run. Is are we not showing enough respect? Is it is that the forwards not working hard enough, or is it the mids? Where did you sort of see that issue breaking down as well? It, I, I think that becomes again the midfield. The midfield started to drop way back. So Hill did what Hill did. He takes mm. the easy ball from hard work from Dougal Howard or anyone down back, and he takes off. And he's like Adam Saad. Adam Saad does the same for us. He waits for Young. Cam, we are in whoever it is to do the hard bit and then get him going mm. to try and overlap. Hit, the midfield started to react to that and there was a massive gap. Like if you look at the first time he burst through, I, I think I was the closest person to him sat here doing the watch <laughs> on and he progressively got worse. And then as Sinclair started to get involved, the half forward started to sit back mm. and then you just had poor Durden on his own with Harry and Charlie defending it. And that's what they do. And it, it, Voss is asking them to be ballsy. And I think if you sat Voss here, he'd rather them be kicked over the top of than run through. And yeah. Houghton are starting to react to that. And that's something that I think you do miss people like Wheatering. You do miss mm. some of your senior figures because they get it. And you saw very quickly Cripps yeah. pulled... Durden and Hoddy to one side. And I'm pretty sure he was saying, can you stop, get to the fall of the ball, get in front of it, be there. Don't react and wait for it. Stop it happening at the source. And it's something they'll learn. They are a very, very naive side at times. And you do see it. And it's to be expected. These guys have been whipping boys of the AFL Mm. for five years. They're not used to being a good side. And it can be maybe tough as well, I suppose. Like, I don't want to use this as an excuse, but we can maybe be a bit harsh on some of the players, particularly maybe that forward line where you've got, what, Motlop, um, Durden, Honey, even like Cottrell, if you want to add him to like that half forwards. And I mean, how many games have those guys played of AFL football? I don't reckon it'd even be 50 all up between them. Like they very inexperienced. So maybe that plays a part as well where, they don't have what it takes just yet to 100% consistent week in, week out, be able to stop and know exactly where they need to be at all times and just play those perfect roles. But also thought I agree with you with the midfield. I thought that multiple times, and it was kind of frustrating because it's kind of almost a little bit obvious knowing we were probably going to lose the tap. They had Marshall, they had Ryder in there, two really big, composing, experienced Ruckman out there compared to a TDK. And they sort of worked him over really well and won a lot of those hitouts. I noticed that St. Kilda just had so many players out the back every single time, just ready to 
win the football. And we didn't seem to have anyone on that on that side at, at many of the stoppages. And it, it probably allowed St Kilda to, one, if they won the tap, get first use and then look back and Hill can just run straight through because they've got the three guys there blocking and creating space, creating outlets, the, uh, drawing opponents towards it. Do you think that we made the mistake of how we did set up at a lot of those stoppages? I thought we were very defensive, particularly from the off. Like you say, their defensive side, our attacking side at stoppages and clearances, mm. we we had no interest. Particularly yeah. if you watch the last 10 minutes of the fourth, there is loads of stoppages around 70, 60 out for Carlton, just outside the opposition's 50. And the ball fell behind their defensive side mm. all the time. And the nearest person there was Hewitt. And I've got to give TDK a bit of criticism here. The amount of times I've seen him in the fourth quarter just stood there watching as Ryder plows into there, as Jade Gresham pushes yeah. him out of the way to get to the fall of the ball. This is what TDK did well last week. He got in the mm-hmm. way, and sometimes he got bodied. He's only a small ruckman yeah. in size-wise, but he got in the way, and he gave them that split second to always have one more there. It's a very important facet, and... Really, we just got out for St. Kilda were brilliant, and it's full credit to them. If you're going to beat Carlton, you've got to flood them areas, and they flooded them well. Yeah, it's it's a tough one for him because he literally backs up his probably best game. <coughs> Apologies. He's probably best game he's had for us and then sort of struggled. I do agree. I thought he was okay in the hitouts. I thought he competed hard enough. It's always tough coming against those sort of two guys where – Gee, you're probably not going to win too many with such a good duo. But, yeah, it was everything else around the ground that I didn't necessarily love for him. I didn't think his sort of work around the ground was up to standard, particularly because he's he's this more sort of known as this more athletic, better runner. You'd think if he's up against someone like a Paddy Ryder, who was their main ruck for big times of that game, that he'd be able to just outwork him around the ground. But it just didn't seem the case, which is frustrating because you'd think he'd be better around the ground than a, what, 72-year-old Paddy Ryder. I agree with you. And for some reason, like, he was at nearly 93% of stoppages and clearances, which I thought was really weird Mm. because I thought, I know it's not much, but JSOS was at 3% of them. Generally, JSOS is there at 12 13%. Mm. And I think that would have been, again, the game to do it because Darcy and Lobb, Mm. very similar to Marshall and Ryder in the terms of one's big, one's a little bit more athletic. He, he's got a history of beating them mm. guys. I would have thought, keep the same model. And I thought Jesus was pretty good when he went in there. Mm. He, he just kind of was a body, and that's all he needs to be. Again, back to Voss. Why did he do that? I don't know. Yeah. I felt like Voss looked at this game as if they're the Eagles and said, mm. right, let's bully them <clears throat> and really get a foothold. And I think it backfired. And yeah. hopefully this week he goes the other way and looks to really take the game to them. Because mm. if, if you're second in this game, you're last. And we were second yeah. to a lot of the tough ball. Mm. Yeah, no, I like Jason's like pulling that lever where you know you're probably not going to win the hit out, but that doesn't matter because it's what he can bring around the ground. And that was, like you mentioned, one of those games where if they're beating us on the spread and you maybe want to add an extra midfielder at the fall of the ball... He's the perfect one to inject there for times. And like we didn't use him enough, didn't use Fisher enough, didn't use Chera at all. It just seemed baffling at times when things maybe weren't working. 
that we weren't trying to just change it up just slightly to things that we have seen work previously for us. And yeah, I think it's unfortunately just one where I think around the board, the coaches just probably got it wrong and there's still enough that we were, we were still a chance to win that game, which is crazy when you think about it because I was watching it and we got in front for times and we were a goal down for large stretches of the game. And all I could think is like, this is why we are a good team because we can have our worst game and St. Kilda can be playing their best. And all we needed to do was switch it on for five, 10 minutes and we win that game. And ultimately, you know, the, you can talk about the the finishing. And I think that some people are going to say that's where we lost the game. I don't think it was because I thought we played poor everywhere else. I think the poor finishing was just like the rotten cherry on top of an already shit sandwich that was our performance. And I think at least we're getting the opportunities to win despite the poor performance because we had seven more inside 50 marks, which led to us getting five more scoring shots. So the opportunities were there. But it's always going to be tough when you're putting so much pressure on those kicks. I guess, what did you make of the uh, the poor kicking this week? It was poor, but I think, you know, like, five, I think it was five of our behinds were rushed. Yeah. Um, I think there's a great argument that if St. Kilda could kick straight in the first half, they could have probably mm. taken the game away from yep. Carlton. And it would have probably been at halftime about 2030 and we would have been looking at a real big comeback, <laughs> which incidentally, I think we might have actually won the game. If mm. we were 30 down, I think that would have been a big culture shock <laughs> yeah. to, the, to the boys. But there was a period of put, put in the second half, 10 scoring shots for one nine. It's, it's bad, but I'll use a golf analogy here. Do you know what I mean? If you ever play foursomes, which is alternate shots, and you're putting well and your partner keeps leaving you 10 foot away and you keep nailing these putts just to par the hole, eventually that tactic is going to backfire mm. and you're going to yeah. two or three put. It, it's, and these boys, to be fair, have been very efficient inside mm. 50, Charlie, Harry. They've been very efficient all year. They're going to have a bad game. They have to. Yeah. And it wasn't their game. But I, will, I would love to know, watching Charlie's kicking technique this week, how much pressure was on them kicks because it seems yeah. that he knew, fuck, if I don't kick this... We're screwed because his kicking was very poor. And I love Charlie. I'll never bag him. But it wasn't the Charlie that we know and love. And another day, he could have kicked it and we win. Mm. TDK could have kicked that goal and Carlton had gone eight ahead. We win that yeah. game. But if you start looking at if only, as my nana's a bike if she had wheels, isn't she? <laughs> oh, no, you've nailed it. And I think that that's like my positive in this is – we can play as bad as we did and we still had chances to win this game. And that's just the big difference from where we've been in the past. And it's why we're always going to be dangerous. I've spoken about it. Saw some tweets before the game of people saying, oh no, we're coming up against, you know, how are we going to stop King, Ryder, Marshall? How are we going to stop all their key tools? And I sort of replied back saying, that's what everyone's thinking about us. St. Kilda will be shitting themselves going, how do we stop Charlie and Harry? We can't. And that's just something we're going to always have. Um, I think what probably annoyed me more about the misses of like your Hewitt and TDK in that sort of couple minute period where they had some really gettable shots from close range was there was about a minute 10 left on the clock and what are St. Kilda do? They kick two goals straight away. And it's like, well, you just got to defend better. You can't be allowing that regardless. I, I get when you have chances after chances, eventually the other team will get one. 
But to concede two within pretty much a minute was a bigger letdown for me than us missing a couple of goals. Is that how you'd also look at things? I, I, I don't know the stats on this. I haven't checked. You've just made me think of it. But I do feel like Carlton are probably the most punished side in the AFL. When, when Carlton fuck up mm. and don't get the goal, how often do we get like periods of dominance yeah. and suddenly at, like Richmond, there was that seven minute play where it was just Carlton, Carlton, Carlton. And then Shy Bolton b- blags two out of his bum. Yeah. It, it seems to happen all the time to Carlton that if they don't get that scoreboard pressure, it's amazing how easily mm. we get caught on the back. And I do think for me, when you look at the fourth quarter, if Carlton fans are honest, deep honest, look at the last 10 minutes, they stopped running. The game was still on the mm. line before Saints kicked them goals. They didn't want it enough. There wasn't yeah. enough. That should have been, and I said it on the watch along. If I was the coach now, whatever the sign is for, I don't care if you lose by 100, I don't want one of you behind halfway. Flood it. Mm. Take the game to them. They don't want it. They looked a bit scared as well of winning the game. May cause them a little bit of doubt, but mm. I mean, it is, this is a good win. My father-in-law t- told me something, and he was been in football for many years with Sandringham. Said to me that, that it's best to lose like this now mm. because we're our own worst enemy. We lost yeah. that game massively. We mm. had opportunities. Get it out of the way now. You've got six more rounds, seven more rounds to really hone this in because you don't want it round elimination final. Yes. And, and that's what I'm like, I guess, is my positive. And it's why I'm not too disheartened. Like I was at the time. And if we were doing, if we were recording this that night, there would have been a fair few expletives in this podcast because I was raging when it happened. I can imagine knowing your household and the, the wasabi that was uh, being eaten by yourself. Sorry to bring up that memory. But um, I know you wouldn't have been happy yourself. Uh, but I think the reason I'm positive is I've seen enough this season that I know things are working and that everything I'm seeing that's going wrong in our losses seem fixable. And it's just a matter of time, getting games into a few of these players that are inexperienced, getting a few of our players back that aren't currently playing, that are injured. And it's it's so easy for us to turn this around. And at least, like you mentioned, they're, they're good lessons to learn at a part of the season where you've still got time to fix it and plenty of time um, of that. Um, just going to have a look at, yeah, that probably segues into perfectly into my next bit because... Pommy people are panicking. They're doing their ladder predictions. They're oh. trying to look 10 months in advance and they're shitting themselves thinking we're not going to make finals. Now, I think most people, and, and we had it on here, we were saying we try to look at the next like four or so games and pick out the wins and see what maybe the benchmark is. And we probably had Frio as a loss. That's fair enough. think we can win it. But mark that one maybe off as a loss and then the St. Kilda's a win. We win the Frio game and you start to think with that Saint one coming up, well, that's the one we thought we'd win. So look at us now. We're going to jump up the ladder, move away from that that sort of bottom crop in the top eight, sort of competing for finals. We threw it the other way around, beat Frio, lose to the Saints. We're now sort of back with that pack. Uh, are you worried at all about where we currently sit and this being a missed opportunity? How are you sort of seeing um, our rest of the season going off the back of this? Well, I mean, my question is, are Sydney worried? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Are Sydney worried? Like, honestly, I, I love a ladder predictor. I, I-, I like maths. Do you know what I mean? It turns me mm. on. It's foreplay for me in the middle of the year. <laughs> but 
Honestly, like some of the people's, no, no disrespect to people, I'd never criticize anyone's work, but I've seen ladder predictors with the top eight sides with 15 wins and Carlton missing out on 14. Do you know what I mean? It, it's yeah. balmy. Teams are going to drop games. So mark my words, people are talking about Collingwood. Oh, they've got an absolute easy run home. Guaranteed right now, Collingwood lose two games minimum because mm. they've lost Darcy Moore. You don't know tomorrow... Fremantle, Nat Fife could do an ACL. Do you know what I mean? Alex Pierce yeah. could do an We don't know. No one in the world, apart from maybe Herdy himself, would have tipped Essendon to beat Sydney. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've got some Sydney mates, and they were like, oh, how many did you guys beat them by? Oh, triple that. And stuff like that. So, like, somehow we've lost and we were fifth. I do TPI, which is a mathematical predictor. I had the Fremantle game, 48% in our favour, this game, 55% in our favour, mm. and we still make finals. We finish fifth at the end of yeah. the year. So there's a lot of winnable games, and it's in our hands. And people yeah. are forgetting the secret. Round 18, nearly 90% of our list is back. Mm. So win this week, and then the next week, you've got McGovern in the show, Pitonet in the show. Pretty, pretty good in, yeah. man. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think people need to, I, I think our fan base need to, everyone always says this every week, danger game. Honestly, danger game is the stupidest thing you can say since putting a tweet up saying the earth is flat. It's up there. <laughs> right? It's elite level sport. All 18 sides can beat each other yeah. on their day. You've got to look at it this way, though. People say respect West Coast. You've got to respect Carlton. The ins mm. that are coming in, I'll tell you what now, Collingwood don't want to play Carlton with a fit pit and a, a fit Wheater in and a fit TDK as a combination. They don't look mm. at the improvement of Young. Look at the yeah. find of Cottrell. Look at the form of Motlop coming in as a last-minute injury. By round 18, Carlton probably have, I reckon, four players that round two you wouldn't have in your best 22 mm. are now best bona fide 22 yeah. players. Times are good. I, I don't understand mm. this danger. I don't know where the fear comes from. The during the war, they used to hang people for being saying that the Germans were going to beat the British. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Don't be scared. We can do it. We can do it. And I'm not scared at all. I guarantee you now, all the top four, Freo, Brisbane, Cats, Melbourne, don't want to play us in an elimination mm. final. So fuck it. Mm. No, and this is what it's it's. I don't understand it. And that's why I want to bring it up because I want to have the discussion. And I've done it in previous weeks as well. It's this, if you watch other games that aren't Carlton, how you can still not, after the round that's been, the round before that, think that upsets aren't going to happen. And whether that's us, whether that's other teams. I mean, you look at just last week, yeah, you've got, what, Essendon beating Sydney. No one in their right mind would have put money on Essendon to win that game. It just You wouldn't have thought it. And this, this is what happens. Upsets happen all the time. You don't know who's going to drop points. Melbourne are going to lose to someone they probably should have beaten. Going to happen. Brisbane, the same. It, it's bound to happen. And I think that, like you said, it, it's all in our hands and, and people worrying, saying, oh, well, we're not going to beat Geelong. We're not going to beat Melbourne. We're not going to beat all these teams. It's like, well, if we want to play finals, if we think we're a good team, we're going to beat one of them. We're going to have to beat teams that we're coming up against in the in the run home. It's not just going to be as easy as, oh, we'll beat maybe a GWS at home and that's it. Like you have to beat good football teams to make the eight. It's just 
plain and simple. And our best is good enough to do that. We all know it. Like you said, we bring in some some of the guys that are so pivotal. We get Pitnet back in, and all of a sudden, our ruck and our center clearances will just be even better because because Pitnet's one of the the best. Like you you say all the time, best blocking ruckman there is out there. Helps the midfield, weedering down back. We're we're, we're an exciting team that we're clearly going to we're clearly playing finals. Don't stress. It's a it's an analogy that coaches love all the time, but. If you're struggling with the future, just take it one week at a time because, you know, I like the ladder predictor. I like going through it and being like, okay, if we did drop this game, where's the run where we'd maybe have to make up a win from in my mind? Like that's what I like doing and seeing where that all goes, but I'm not stressing about it because we could easily lose next week against West Coast and everyone will think the season's done, come out, beat Melbourne, Brisbane, Geelong, beat everyone, finish top four. That is as likely to happen as it isn't as likely to happen because it's so unpredictable and we know our best is good enough. Mate, spot on. And people forget as well, when you look at the guys around us, right, the doggies are a great side that probably may sneak into the eight, but probably are going to be that team that ruins people's Mm. finals chances. Do you know what I mean? They've got Melbourne, but they play a lot of the teams in the top eight. Do you know what I mean? Melbourne played Geelong, so do you know what I mean? Suddenly, there is a possibility this week, mm. everyone's talking about, oh my God, if Carlton lose to the Eagles, oh, the dream's over, folks. The dream's over. There's a possibility that results go our way. You're suddenly saying, mm. oh, fuck the four. We could finish top two here. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because if have- Melbourne lose this week, Carlton win, Frio drop a game, Brisbane mm. drop a game, Suddenly, Carlton are tied on second. Like, yeah. this is what I mean. Like, the the, a, the AFL is such a higgledy-piggledy world that I am just alarmed one game, which is mm. statistically, I'm telling you, so abnormal to what Vossi yeah. does. There's no reason to panic. And if Carlton come out this week and win by 40, 50, mm. Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Tied on points yeah. with second. Mm. And I think that's what I want to make the point of as well because people do the ladder predictor, and I hate to harpen back to it, but I think this is a really good point where they just sneak us into finals and then every single person goes, okay, well, what, we play maybe Richmond in the first final? Yeah, we'll beat them. Oh, then we'll play, I don't know, Sydney. Oh, we'll beat them. And then you've got us into the grand final. So if you think we can beat these teams enough in finals to make a grand final, we can beat them in the home and away season. Stress less, guys. Look at Richmond Eagles. Yeah, three quarters, exactly. Eagles made it ugly. Made it mm. ugly. Richmond played their game. And then in the fourth, Richmond played their skill set and ran away with it. Richmond have been yeah. in some great form recently. Do you know what I mean? Some, looked a mm. really tasty side. That is what the AFL is. So next week against the Eagles isn't a foregone conclusion, but potentially Carlton win it. And looking at the fixtures in and around Carlton, we could be level on points with three sides for second. And yeah. then what are you going to say the next week? Oh, danger game against Geelong. They're really good. Gary Ablett Sr. and Jr. come from Geelong. Like, it, it, you just don't know. Do you know what yeah, I mean? exactly. I mean, honestly, I, I always subscribe to the philosophy that when I put my hand down my pants, my balls are hairy, not crystal. So don't start looking into the future. <laughs> oh, I think, I think you, you've nailed it. I can't add anything better to that at all. Um Probably, I don't honestly have too much else. I want to touch on this St. Kilda game because didn't go our way, but 
probably a couple of things just to end it um, before we jump into fan votes, fan questions, is basically their forward line um, sort of really dominated us. You, you have Membry with four goals. I don't know how this man every single time we play him just turns into prime Wayne Carey combined with Gary Ablett Jr. I don't know what how he does it. If I could make one bet every year, it would be like, Tim Membry plays his greatest game ever against Carlton. King three goals, Butler two goals, Ryder two, Higgins two. So they really got um, on top of us in that back line. We were really heralding, I guess, the the back line last week for what they were able to do with the outs we have um, against Frio. Do you think that this was just a case of our sort of outs finally coming to hurt us or was there another reason why their sort of forward line had that big effect on the game? I think Membry is the most underrated. I, I, I love being a Carlton content producer. One of my favourite things about being a Carlton content producer is a lot of us say Carlton are shit, but then when you ask them about an opposition player, <laughs> nah, not as good as Kerner, not as good as Harry, <laughs> wouldn't make Carlton seconds. And you're like, but hang about, it's a danger game. Yeah, um, Membry works his role so beautifully. And I think, though, mm. The defence is going to cop a lot of abuse. Like, as soon as Plowman turned it over, <laughs> I knew there would be, you know, death threats Ooh, yeah. for Plowman. Ooh, yeah. Like, I, I was praying for his inbox. Um, but you, you look oh, at man. how easy their inside 50s were. Mm. Going down the wing, which is what Carlton do, and then coming back centrally opens up so many angles for your players like King. Their ability to get themselves one-on-one you're screwed. And there's a reason. Wheatering's got, what, a 70% win percentage. He's something like mm. 29th of key defenders, one-on-one. Even he's brilliant, but he struggles one out. It's almost yeah. impossible. And that's why Harry and Kerner succeed. Cowton's quick movement makes them one-on-one. Look at how quick and look at how easy their entries were. Mm. And then look at how slow ours are. Jesus was guilty a few times, taking 25 minutes from a mark out of 60 to knock the ball in. It was very easy. And I'll tell you what, yeah. memory one-on-one, rider one-on-one with Kemp, it's ending one mm. way because Kemp isn't naturally a key defender. Yeah. He wants to come in from the side. We were exposed because we allowed ourselves to be exposed. Mm. They should have been tougher. And when they were snatchy one-on-ones, Cowton won the battle. When you're giving Gresham four touches, one of them inside 50s. He, he, he got had a little handball game with mm. Seb Ross, 55 out, and then nailed a target. It, it's very mm. easy. And if you gave yeah. that to Walsh, he would have found Kerno free. It's one of them things. You live, you learn. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. It's it's always tough. You, when, you come, when you've got this depleted back line where things aren't 100%, you need to win it at the source. It's as simple as that. And then, and then the ball's not in there as much. And when the ball does come in, you need to try to limit how easy though the, the opposition are bringing the ball in there. And there was so much space because they heard us on the spread in the midfield and it just led to easy options. So much pressure on those defenders. You saw pretty much everyone down there make a mistake at one stage, which is hard when you're under that amount of pressure. So I think, yeah, we'll get some players back and that will help shore up certain positions and certain places, but... You put them under that much pressure, you can put whoever you want down there and it's, it's going to be tough and they're going to find ways of, of exploiting that. Um, was there anything else that you sort of saw from this game that um, you wanted to touch on, whether it be um, good or bad? I think Motlop. Uh, I, I mm. think 
when he was included late, I know a lot of the watch along on Blue Abroad who watched with me, they were shitting themselves a little bit because his VFL form hasn't been great. And I kept saying to them, I watched Motlop a lot in his draft year and he'd play in Colts and he'd play like Christopher Reeve. And then he'd go into the seniors and he would be Christopher Reeve in the 80s as Superman. <laughs> he, he, he looked unbelievable. Um, I was like, he's really excited me. He's really come in. You see that intent, that goal where he could have taken the trip, but he carried oh, that on going. Was unreal. He just, he, I like him. He works incredibly hard. That's what I love about Motlop. He, he never gives up. And that's what I noticed straight away in that Frio game last week where comes in, as soon as he's near the ball, he's hunting, he's tackling, he's doing everything. And I think that goal sums up what we can really look forward to where gets the ball, gets tackled, somehow breaks out, stands up, shrugs another tackle, gets some space, snaps it in goals. He's just, he's electrifying. He's one of those rare finds that, what is he, he's even played five games of football yet. I don't even know. He's, it's exciting that we have someone like this that, especially for these small forwards, sometimes they don't always show it straight away. It can take a little bit. And I think he showed in, the, in that Sydney game just how explosive he can be. He's done it again this week in, I guess, an underperforming forward line. So, Definitely really exciting to see these youngsters start to blossom and, and show some signs for the future. We've definitely got an absolute find um, in Motlop. Oh, mate, I couldn't uh, agree more. I think when you look at the other teams around, I think the one thing Carlton lack is a small forward that is... I hate to use his name because he gives me the eebie-jeebies, Ginovan, a guy yeah. that can just make something happen out of nothing. And what I love about Motlop is I think he compliments Oe's and mm. Durden. I think they're a lot more defensive than Carlton fans give them credit for. I, I do think they're in the Jamie Cripps mode, in in the Jacob Townsend, in that wonderful period he had when Richmond won a final, mm. in that, you know, that um, all the Hawthorne forwards, Poppy, who um, really pride themselves on their defensive craft. And you remember Poppy had Cyril. Yeah. So, and I remember that great story Clarkson says where he tore Poppy apart because Poppy had kicked two goals, Cyril had none, but he missed one tackle. And Clarkson lost the plot at half time, saying, You're not here to kick goals. You're not a superstar. Cyril's my star. Mm. Hit him hard. And that's where I think Motlop is. He's asked, he's, he could be that little coup de gras and he yeah. excites me. There's something about him. And I, I think he's got a place at the club. And, I hope he keeps his position because I think fit and firing, I'd love to see him in a final. Oh, I think so. Just having any of those players that, like you say, can kind of make something from nothing, you need in those special moments. It's why your Charlie Kernos and, and your Harrys are so good because they can take a mark when they shouldn't and they can kick a goal where they shouldn't. And you, you need your best players in those finals. So that, that is absolutely mouthwatering, that prospect. Um Let's jump into the votes. We've got uh, some fan votes from you guys. You gave your one vote to Sam Walsh. You gave two to our man, Motlop, that we just spoke about. And then three votes in your best on ground. is a man we haven't spoken about yet on this pod, but um, it's Adam Saad, and he was absolutely tremendous. I think pretty much every Carlton supporter might have even lost their voice if they're at the game, yelling out the big wolf for this man. So um, big kudos to the Jumper Punch boys for getting that going. That was unreal to see. Um, who would you give your votes to, Pommy? I did go three Saad 
as well. Maybe the the Paolo friendship might have influenced that. (laughs) I don't know. I gave um, two votes to Walsh as well. Uh, One vote, though. This might surprise people, but he was the only midfielder that played on the ball most of the game that I gave any kudos to, and that's George Hewitt. Ten tackles. I thought he was... Uh, I thought he did enough. And for me, I thought yeah. watching Hewitt's game, if we supported him enough, he did what he does where he pulls teams apart because he does the hard work. So I had to give him some credit because I thought he worked tirelessly all day for zero reward. Yeah. No, no I like that. I like those votes. Um, I've gone basically the same as the fans, but just in a slightly different order. I gave three to Saar, just his ability to find targets wherever he has the ball. He was so instrumental, and it's it's kind of frustrating that he always is best on in a loss. I, I would love it to not be the case, um, but he's it's an absolute superstar. He has to be in the conversation for all Australian, and it's ridiculous to see more supposed AFL experts come out and give their all Australian contenders and just not even speak about him. It's ridiculous. Um, I gave two to Walshy and I gave the one to Motlop just because of what he was doing in that forward line. I thought it deserved a vote. Um, let's jump into some fan questions before we get into the West Coast game. I got first one here from Mickey C, um, who says getting very, very little from our small forwards goal wise, also little from JSOS in that regard. Is this a forward problem or a forward 50 entry problem? So it kind of touches on what you were just, I guess, talking about with maybe it not being a goals um, metric that they're being rated on. What do you sort of make of that question? It's a good question. Um, it's, it's something that we get a lot, don't we? I, I think you've got the people always look at small forwards have become unvogue partly because of Hawthorne, partly because of Richmond recently. You've got to remember Richmond's 2017. A lot of people compare. I, it makes me laugh because I love the comparison. But they compare Owies and Durden to the small forwards at Richmond. And you've got to remember Richmond had one key. And yeah. Rewalt's not even the big dominant key size. Mm. He, he works up the ground like memory as well. You've got to remember we've got two pillars. So it's a lot harder for them to kick snags yeah i think always leading tackle inside 50 per game i think he's brilliant just under a goal a game that's about afl average for the smalls durden's my one question mark and i i would agree with that i think he works way too hard up the ground i'd love to see him implement that pressure a bit mm-hmm. more small so i agree mm-hmm. i think we need something and that's why i'm interested in seeing motlop's development because i think motlop yeah. may be that guy that suddenly complements these guys and cleans up the mess that they don't need themselves. No, I think it's a good point because, I mean, I don't really care, honestly, where the goals are coming from as long as they are there. And and like you said, we've got those two big tools that half the time they're marking the ball anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And those small forwards are there really for their pressure to lock that ball in, to give everyone else an opportunity to score. But then when they get the opportunity, they need to make the most of it. And there's probably always going to be one, like you're kind of alluding to, where it seems like most teams have that one small forward that is the primary goal kicker, and the rest are really that hunting. And I think, yeah, always leading those tackles inside 50 is just such a, a presence there. Be interesting to see what the roles of these guys are because, again, they're all so young and inexperienced. It's kind of hard to say, hey, can you kick 30 goals a season and be that elite small forward where 
They just haven't maybe played enough football to 100% have that just yet. But I think in our wins, we've seen how instrumental they can be with their pressure. And eventually, it leads to goals somewhere. And that, and that's all I'm sort of worried about. It's a great question. I, I don't know who asked that question. but I, I, Yeah, Mickey C asked that one. Mickey C. Oh, what a legend. Um, I'd tell him to go back and watch, watch Ginevan, watch Pickett, and watch what they do really well with their tours. They run off them and lead into the pocket. Now, I'll set him a challenge for next week, and he can answer you. Watch how many times we do that. Very little, and they don't lead to them pocket channels. And when they do, watch how often Carlton overlook them. There there was a few times Motlop did it this week where he's blazing into the pocket with no one there, and we still go that route one football. Mm. So I do think as well, a part of it he nailed with his question of inside 50 entries. It would be great if them leads were regular. So our midfield start to look for them because there's loads of times that they just flood our defense, our attack, knowing it's going to land on Harry or Charlie. Mm. Love one of them to be a bit brave and say, you know what? I'm leading for that space and you're hitting me. And it's incidental. Cripper, when he played half forward, in rest periods, always ran that channel, always got mm. hit. So definitely a point I think Carlton need to look at moving forward. Mm. And then I guess to, to keep going on to that point, if we've now got that other outlet where you're hitting up these smalls, then they're going to have to start to cover that. That just leaves Harry and Charlie open a little bit more. So I do like that. It, it'll be an interesting thing to see and watch how that progresses over the next few years. Uh, next question is from Timmy Dub that asks, um, feel like our great wins have been when we are the hunter and our losses have been mid-table teams who are hunting us. Is the next piece of the puzzle performing to expectation? He set me up for an analogy. <laughs> I love it. You've got to get into the psychology of when you're good. Now, the hardest jump is going from being shit to good. It's the hardest yeah. jump in the world. And I'll give an example. If you're a boxer... And we're fighting for the heavyweight title. 100,000 people in Madison Square Garden. 200 million watching, right? And imagine getting the ass handed to you, being knocked mm. out, being beaten. And then your coach says, look, your wife's just rang me. She's leaving you. The kids want nothing to do with you. You're an embarrassment. You're behind on all scorecards. Go out there and for God's sake, throw a punch. And you'll swing wildly. And you mm. might connect and be a hero because you've got nothing to lose at this point. Imagine being the guy in the other corner, 11 scorecards you're up on, dominating the fight. All you've got to do, your coach will look you in the eyes and say, you've done it. Just don't get knocked out. You've won it. Imagine the pressure if you've always been the other guy and suddenly now you're a champion. It's very easy to chase. It's very easy to take the shirt off and Mm. throw fists. It's hard to do it and that is something i think you've nailed something they mentally have to learn to do to be the hunted and yeah. that's something that comes with experience watch 17 richmond they 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 had almost a uh, 108 i think their win their percentage was it was a low percentage they were almost 50 percent quarters one they were a very weak side at holding leads because suddenly they were good but watch the next year. It was something close mm. to 70 quarters one. That'll be something they'll develop. They need to yeah. learn to bore a game out. And unfortunately, they don't have a clue how to do it yet. Mm. 
Yeah, and I think it's it's so hard as well. I know it maybe is a bit of a cop-out, but because we haven't had as much of a consistent side, consistent personnel being there week in, week out, it's hard to really build that gel of being in those tough times where a team's coming at you and you need to dig deeper and know you can really trust every single person and everyone knows their role 100%. You've got some inexperienced players out there. You've got guys that you haven't played week in, week out in the same roles. You see like a Josh Honey come in for the last couple of weeks, missed a big chunk of the start of the year, hasn't played a lot of footy, hasn't maybe looked the best. And they're just little pieces throughout it that eventually the more these guys play, the more we gel, the more we're in these situations, I think we're going to be better because we've clearly lifted that standard. We're beating a lot of the teams we really should be beating. It's then kind of now this middle ground where it's the teams around us that we think we're bad at, better than, that we're maybe not beating 100% of the time. Um, I, I think it's going to come. It's a really good question because, yeah, I think it, it is really that next piece is getting that consistency level up because we've kind of had this win-loss, win-loss, win-loss um, over the past month or so, and then hopefully we can start to turn that into more consistent wins in a row. Um, I think this is our last – yeah, you go. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think you've got to remember as well, back to the point of holding wins, holding leads, being controlled. Carlton, what, 24 years and five months old this week and 79.7 games. And then if you look at another young side who are slightly older because they've got older players, Collingwood, and everyone Mm. talks about Collingwood as the babies, (laughs) but you've got to look at what they've got in the midfield. Yeah, They've got Pendles, they've got Adams, they've got Crisp. They've got guys that have played finals. Mm. Look at Carlton's list. There's a handful of players who have played finals. So what experience of winning is coming on? Like Carlton's serial winners are players like George Hewitt, Mm. who weren't even massive parts of Sydney. Do you know what I mean? So imagine being Collingwood and looking at Pendlebury when the shit hits the fan and he's like, I'm a BNF. I'm one of the best players to play the game. I've captained this side to, f- to grand finals in final mm. series. And imagine then being a young player and looking at Cripps, a very young leader mm. who's like, oh, don't worry. I won six games in a year once. Like the difference, yeah. Cripps is learning, Wheatering's learning, Doc's learning. So this will come as they get into that position. And look mm. at Trent Cochin, a marvellous leader who came from shit, but yeah. eventually was like, you know what? I'm the man. And look at how inspirational he's been, Dustin's been. Mm. That'll come from these boys. Don't worry. They've got to learn to win, though. Like, yeah. look at Twitter. Our fans have got to learn to win. That's yeah. how bad it is. Oh, I agree. And it's... It's weird because you think about last year and I, I try to mentally go back to kind of appreciate what's actually happening now. And it was all of these thoughts of, is this list good enough? Because we're, we're looking at all these players and every Carlton Nuffy like myself is thinking, this guy's a gun, this guy's a superstar. Yeah. No one's shown it and we've not won games of football. So you then start to have the doubts and are any of these guys ever going to be good? Is it going to click? How do you do that? And we've seen so far this season for the most part, it has clicked and things have worked and it, we've progressed to a stage, but it, it is hard to go from where we've been to then ultimately be this perfect team where every single week, everything is just firing on all cylinders and it, it's just going to take a bit of time. But like we've kind of touched on this whole episode, everything is kind of, it's for us to control this loss. It, it, 
St Kilda did play well, but a lot of it was on ourselves and what we either did or didn't do right. So there's plenty to to look forward to. Um, our last question here is from Owen Morton, who says, "How do Voss? How does Vossi approach the group during the Monday review? Is it a roast? Is it a cuddle? Learnings? How would you do it if you were Vossi?" I tell my staff that you've only ever got three bollockings a year in you. <laughs> and I always say to them, right, that when you're a manager, I teach my managers this, rollock someone, pull them apart in the first four weeks. Let your team know mm. you're a bit of a dick when things don't go wrong. Be a nice guy all the time, but just really yeah. give it to them. If you do it too much, you start to really lose the impetus. Mm. And anyone who's got kids out there will know the most dangerous thing my kids can hear is wait till dad comes back from work because they know when dad loses it, dad loses it. So I, I wouldn't shower them. I think the biggest issue this week, if I was Voss, would be the goal kicking. But yeah. I'd also look at it this way. If I start picking up, I've seen some people say, oh, if I was the coach, I'd tell Charlie and Harry to bring their gum shields and make them run 50 kilometers. And then they'd have to sit in front of the goals and kick a thousand times or they don't get their dinner. The worst thing you can do for them to yeah. now is make it a mental stigma. Mm. The best thing I would do with them is go, look, you guys know you were shit house. Mm. Give me a hug. Love you. Can't wait for you to kick 10 each against the Eagles. Midfield yeah. is more, I think, on Vossi and that setup, getting it right. And I would be really showing them this week the, the Cottrell goal, the Motlop goal, and say, look what happens when you guys really get on the front foot. You do the brave thing. You're fearless. No side can stand with you. You're a wild tiger. You're hungry. You're like Mike Tyson in his prime. The problem is, is when you guys get a bit lethargic, a little bit wimpy, oh, this is a little bit hard, you start becoming like Frank Bruno at the back end of his career. That is what I would be doing to them. I would be giving them a little bit of a pep this week and saying, look, this is where you can be. I need you guys to sit there. I don't think it's staged for a rollicking, but if they lose to Eagles, they'd definitely be keeping yeah. teacups and boots thrown at faces. No, I agree. I don't think you need to go ridiculously hard. And it's this weird thing where, like, if you think that, like, the coaches are annoyed, it's like the players won't be happy with that. Harry will be annoyed that he's missed so many chances. Like, they're already hurting from it, so you don't really need to keep piling on in that. It's a, it's just about like, correcting some little, little things. And I find it funny that Harry has been so accurate a goal all season and he's so good at these snaps. And the one week he misses a few, it's why is he doing these snaps? He's got to be a drop punt only. He's got to forget the thing that's worked 99% of the time. It's like, Bizarre. It's worked, it hasn't worked one week. Like what is the issue? Like if, if he's doing this every single week all season, then yeah, maybe we need to have a, a sit down chat and be like, maybe we, we change things up a little bit, but I mean, he won a Coleman medal. Like let's, Let's chill with that one. And, yeah, I think with the midfield, it's it's like you said, showing them that clearly things do work and we know what works, showing them what's not working and how they can sort of progress with that because it's a loss, but it's not a bad one. St. Kilda aren't a horrendous football team. Losses are going to happen. It's how you bounce back. And so far we haven't lost two in a row. Touch wood, which I'm doing right now. We, we don't lose two in a row this season, um, but it's all about these little learnings you can take along the way and, and hopefully the boys can respond. I, I think the biggest question, if I was Voss, I would ask is I would, go, I would pick seven moments 
that were diabolical football. So mm. we'll pick on my boy. We'll pick on people alike. Lockie O'Brien, right? Streaming through the corridor. Four players ahead of him decides yeah. to stop and do the switch that Seb Ross could have intercepted if he started running from the G. It was <laughs> that poor. And I would stop that play as he kicks it. And I would look at Lockie and go, Lockie, just tell me why you did that. Like, what was going through your head? In your mind, what was it being executed? And I bet you would get the answer. I reckon he would say, I was looking for someone to lead towards me and everyone was leading away from me, right? So I took the safe option, which wasn't the safe option. Yeah. I'd look at Plowman and O'Brien again. And when they were deep in the back half and for some reason, Plowman handballed back to... O'Brien, who then handballed back to Plowman. Plowman got pinged because Plowman thought he was Crips and he fended someone off. And I would ask O'Brien, why did you take so long to kick it? Why did you handball and then get it back and then put someone in trouble? Why didn't you just put your right through it? I know the second one got smothered, but you had opportunity to kick it. So what was there? And I bet mm. he will say, I looked down the wing and TDK was surrounded by eight Saints players. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, cool. And then you'll get the answer to the other groups and go, all these things have one thing in common. You guys aren't working for each other. You're mm. expecting O'Brien to thread a pass 38 meters with four guys bearing on him through the eye of a needle. Work for him, mm. help him out. And I think that that would be what I would be doing this week. I would be asking these players, why did that happen? Like, you tell yeah. me and be honest. And if Cripps gets upset, don't worry, I'll slap him. Just tell me, was it Cripps? Yeah. And they'll be shocked. I bet it's the fact no one worked worked together mm. hard enough for each other. Yeah, but I think if, like if they're not working hard defensively, then they're probably not doing it forward. So it's a really good point. I like like that analogy. I'd love to get you in there to uh, to talk to these players. I'm, I'm inspired enough already to to well, run work, through a couple of work with me and see so if you I like that. What a fucking question, <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe we won't. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just <laughs> we'll, we'll end the podcast there. Actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think, yeah, we've spoken about this game enough. It wasn't good, but we know our good is amazing. And sometimes when we're off, it's dropped. It's just about getting our worst that little bit better. But we, we did have opportunities. Um, but let's see what we can learn for this next game because we've got West Coast coming up, which originally early in the year looked like a very much a gimme. And it is, uh, it's not now. West Coast have got some players back. They're actually playing some decent football now. Um, what do we have to do to bounce back and win this? Because I think that St Kilda did really well and it, it seems like this happens in a lot of our losses. When the game slowed down and we don't move the ball well, we struggle. West Coast like that slow tempo. So how do we sort of counter that and get back to our best? Well, I mean, I think the worst thing we can do is react. I, I, I genuinely think if we go against the Eagles and think, oh, shit, they've got knickknack back. Oh, God, Kennedy's back. Oh, I mean, people are saying they played well last week. They lost by 30. Yeah. I mean, like, if, if losing by five goals is doing well, shit, no wonder everyone loved 2018. Um, it's going well for them because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's their best. But obviously, these guys are very astute round stoppage. They kill mm. Tigers around clearances, and Tigers have never been a good center clearance side. Yeah. So there is a worry there. But I think what if I was Voss this week, I'd be saying, look, play the brand we know and you beat these guys because they are 17th for a reason. 
That yeah. they're not seventeenth for luck, and it's not injuries because Carlton are the use the most players in the comp. You can't count Eagles because yeah. one week that round two game, everyone oh, got COVID. Like I actually missed a call from their coach because he wanted me to play. <laughs> that was how bad it was. So they're a tough, strong, contested side, and they they've got one one plan, and it's the Richmond plan. They are going to make it slow. Mm. They are going to make it tough. They want repeat stoppages, repeat centre bounces. They want to make it slow. Carlton have got to do what St Kilda did. Spread, spread, spread. Mm. Make them work. And they do that. Carlton win this game easily. Yeah, look, I was on the Gold Coast in that round two game, so unfortunately I couldn't come down lace on the boots because I know <laughs> like, they were very convincing. I almost flew down for it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, we... We should have some good ins as well. It looks like there's a good chance Weedering comes back for this one. There's a chance Always comes back in, and I think he's been really vital to weirdly being the leader of the smalls down there for a guy that's not that old or experienced. I think that does help you. Um, I mean, there's there's a tiny chance that Pitnet is back for this one as well. It'll be interesting to see who does get up. But I, I think that, like you said, they're not – they haven't been amazing this season, and, and we have, so – I think it's as simple as that. I know it's a way. I know people start to get worried because they've bought players back. But if you want to play finals, you beat these teams. You beat the teams you're better than. And I think I think we definitely can. We've got the weapons. Why not make it happen? So I guess what changes would you look to make this week? Let's say, you know, you're, you're always weedering's a, a good to go. Maybe even a Martin could be selected. Like who, what are you looking at as your ins and outs this week? I think this week... I would be. I mean, if I'm guessing, Chera's fit. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. If it was fit, if it was fit on what Friday night, he's he must be fit this week, surely. <laughs> with, with, with eight days break, I, I'd imagine he's <laughs> Usain Bolt. Um, so I mean, if always he's fit, I, I think maybe now's the time that we drop a winger. I think we had too many wings, and yeah. if Jerry's going to play that role, I question why you've got all these defensive wingers mm. and things like that. It seems a bit fruitless to me. So I would probably, I hate to say it because I love you, and this doesn't ruin my love for you, Jack Noons, but I do think maybe it's time we see if someone else can do that role. Even though I love you, you went at 93% and you got a lot of hate this week. <laughs> you used the ball well. Um, I'd probably bring always in for him. I would probably take a risk this week and I, I, I would bring Weeter in straight swap in for Plowman. And I would say round 18, we get McGovern back. That's confirmed. Mm. We're definitely playing an interceptor. Plowman's been playing a stopper role. I would bring Weeter in, in to play key and say to Kemp, right, Show me this intercept. This is what yeah. you're here for. This is what you made a name for in juniors. Show me it. Show me it with the two big boys there. And I think you've got to bring Stocker in for their smiles, I think. Even mm. though I don't think his form has been very good defensively, it has been good ball-wise, I do think that Cowton maybe need to go small there just to alleviate what, particularly yeah. what Cripps does, Jamie <clears throat> Cripps. Even though this week he kicked goals, genuinely is their pressure guy. I do think if you can get him in and around the contest, you need someone to stop him do that. So I'd maybe bring Stocker in for that. I don't know who I'd drop for that, though. That's a tough one. Mm. Someone to get dropped. Maybe yeah, Durden. Oh. I know this sounds crazy. Maybe drop, give Durden a rest in the VFL. I think he's got some things to work on. Yeah. Keep Motlop, keep the Motlop experiment going and keep the Cottrell experiment going. Mm. No, look, I think your changes are very similar to me because I... 
I liked what they tried, but I don't think it worked just floating Nunes back. I thought he was fine, and I'm a, I'm a late convert to the to the Nunes bandwagon. Thought he's been unreal the last month or so. But my, my, my big thing with Nunes has always been, and it's kind of what you alluded to perfectly, has been he's a, like six, seven out of ten every single week. Like you know what you're getting, it's solid. You rarely get like the ten out of ten champion game. And I know that's maybe not his role, but it's like I would love someone else to come in that has a higher ceiling and take us forward because it's another area of this sort of best 22 that I think we can jump another level over Jack Noon. So I don't mind that of bringing him out and being like, okay, can someone else do it? Or if not, let's bring him back in because he's been really serviceable. So I think, yeah, making my changes, I think always comes in because I've really loved his sort of pressure and it's hard to drop one of the smalls. It's maybe not exactly like for like because I know Honey sort of plays a bit higher and I absolutely love this man. So it probably kills me to drop him, but I'm just not sure I've seen enough in his first two games. I know it's hard to adjust to the pace and maybe he does need that extra game to do it and maybe the, the way we've been moving forward hasn't been amazing for him, but I think... I've seen always dirt and a motlop work really well on that forward line. Um, so I, I'm probably going to drop honey at the moment. Uh, Weeders, I like what your idea of, of dropping plowman for him and then letting Kemp be that third tall. Cause I was big on that at the start of the season when um, McGovern went out and said, why have we not brought in anyone to play this intercept role? Because it's so clear that preseason, that was our game style. It was interceptor, who can move the ball forward. And that's kind of what Kemp likes to do. He likes to be that attacking player by foot. So it seems strange that we didn't immediately just go for that and plug that in. So I would like to see what Kemp can do. I think he's been absolutely fine since he came in. Was really good last week. Tough task this week. There's not too much you can say for that. He's just not that second defender. He shouldn't be playing that role, but he's forced to with injury. And then if I'm doing that and taking out a small, I've got to bring Stocker in. And then I think that's where probably Nunes makes way unless Chera is as fit as he was last week because I'm sorry, mate, you're just not moving around that, that ground well enough. Um, those are probably my changes. I, if Martin's fit, you're in the twos. You need to show me something because you haven't done enough so far um, this season. And then, I mean, look, if, if Pitonet is fit, the selection committee can make that decision because I've got no idea who to drop. Yeah, my, my, my caveat was if Pitonet is fit, I'd drop Honey for him and yeah. bring Pitonet in. And then I could float TDK, Cottrell. Mm. And I think it opens up Fisher and Chera to work that wing and then on the ball because we've dropped Noons. So someone's going to have to cover them rotations. And you've got that real nice five-way rotation. So mm. let's hope Pitonet's fixed. I think we need him for this game. And even if he yeah. isn't 100%, I think Nick Nat poses enough threat to say that you want to bring another body in to mm. help TDK. No, I like it. I'm I'm so excited to start to get some players back because like Weedering and Pitnet, they're just so vital for how we play. Our best footy has always been with those two guys in there. So, gee, it's just going to be absolutely magic. Um, is there anything else you wanted to, to touch on at all uh, this week, Pommy? Uh, I think we've nailed it, to be honest. I think we've nailed it. Big 40-point win against the Eagles. This time next week, whoever gets my job next week, he's going to have their feet up. <laughs> oh, be like, How good is this? 
Oh, 100%. No, thanks so much for joining me. Um, love it every single time. Once Lockie's back, we'll have to get you in with the with the three of us. It'll be lovely to to all chat together. Um, you can find this man on YouTube. What is the what is the handle, Pommy? Give me all the plugs now. This is this is your chance. If you type in Pommy in Oz, you will find me YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Occasionally post on TikTok, but I am a bit old for <laughs> dancing. Uh, you'll see me on the Blue Abroad show as well. Blue Abroad, I'm regularly on there. Some, someone needs to make needs to make Terry look like an Adonis, and that's usually <laughs> my job. So yeah, spot me around. And if you don't get to the games or you're unable to, I'm always on the watch along on Blue Abroad. You can come and sing with me, and we heckle and we abuse umpires and do all that <laughs> sinister stuff. That's always good. No, thank you again. And yeah, find Pommy and Oz everywhere. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. He does some amazing stuff over there. All the links to everything, all his socials, all the channels will be, if you're watching this on YouTube, they'll be in the little section below. Um, They'll be in the show notes on all podcasting streaming services. So get onto that. Um, Let us know your changes as well in the comments below because it's a tough one. After a loss, it's always a lot easier to to make them. Um, So I'd love to see it all. But yes, that is going to wrap up this episode. We're back next week after we've absolutely flogged the Eagles in WA, which we have not done in a very long time. See you guys next time. See ya. God bless.